The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member at universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today, I am delighted that our guest is Diane Mulcahy. She's the author of The Gig Economy, The Complete Guide to Getting Better Work, Taking More Time Off, and Financing the, the Life You Want. Five years ago, long before the gig economy was part of the popular lexicon, Diane created and launched an MBA course on the gig economy at Babson College. This course gained immediate traction and was named one of the top 10 most innovative business school classes in the country by Forbes. A former venture capitalist, Diane is a senior fellow at the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, where she manages the private equity and venture capital investment portfolio. She writes and speaks frequently about the VC and PE industries and entrepreneurship. With two earlier books to her name, Venturing Forward and Angels and IPO, Diane has had her articles and work featured in the Harvard Business Review, the Huffington Post, The Economist, The New Yorker, Forbes, Fortune, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Industrial Investor, and on NPR and Reuters TV. Diane holds an AB and Master's of Public Policy degrees from Harvard University. So as listeners of this show, my goal is to continue to provide you current and forward-looking content so that you're able to navigate the rate of change you're facing. And Diana is perfectly situated to help in, in providing you with information that you can use immediately in your life and also to inform how you look at leading a business and managing your career going forward. So the gig economy transforms the way we work by disconnecting work from an office. Independent consultants, contractors, and freelancers are judged by the results and output, no matter how, where, or when they're produced, not on the time they spend in the office or whether they work from 9 to 5 every day. Oprah-reviewed author, Forbes Top 10 Business School lecturer, and author of The Gig Economy, A Complete Guide to Getting Better Work, talks about why companies need to value employees for their ideas and results, not their time in the office. 
and how to navigate the gig economy to improve organizational success and employee engagement and results. So Diane's going to walk us through what is the gig economy, how should businesses be using it, and then how should employees be responding. So Diane, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's start with, give us some background on what is the gig economy and how did we get here? Yeah, that's a great place to start because I think when when people hear the term the gig economy, their mind automatically goes to Uber drivers and they think, okay, this doesn't apply to me. And I would like to bust that myth right up front and say uh, that the way that I think about and define and write about the gig economy is if you're not a full-time employee in a full-time job, then you're part of the gig economy. So for those people in your audience who are contractors, who are consultants or freelancers or part-time workers, they're all part of the gig economy. Um, it really applies to anybody who's not in the traditional employment model of being a full-time employee. So what's different between remote work and the gig economy? And, and in this answer, I also want to get to how did we get here? And I think most of us started with job. most of us of a certain age started with a job, and many of us <laughs> now don't do that anymore. That's correct. And the reality is uh, full-time jobs are disappearing. That's one of the ways that we got here. So companies aren't creating new jobs at the rate that they used to. In fact, the rate of job creation is at historic lows. Um, It dipped to historic lows around the 2008 recession and has continued to fall. It's never really recovered. And partly that's because companies have figured out that they don't have to structure their work as a job. They Instead of um, saying, okay, I'm going to create a full-time job and hire somebody who's a full-time employee, they figured out that they're able to break what was formerly a job into a variety of tasks and projects and farm those out to uh, contract staff or outsource it or offshore it or turn it into a part-time position. So that's one reason. The second reason is even for people who have full-time jobs, there is no job security anymore. Job security is gone. It's dead. It's over. All you have to do is read the paper and understand how frequently companies eliminate jobs, automate them, outsource them, offshore them, or contract them out. At any time, if you're in a full-time job, your position can be eliminated. The third reason we got here is because people want to work this way. Um, There have been a lot of studies and surveys and interviews with people who work independently, and the general general finding is that about 70 to 75% of them choose to work this way. They choose to work independently rather than having a full-time job. And I think we all know people who are in full-time jobs who wish they were doing just about anything else with their lives, right? There's a lot of reasons to be dissatisfied with the state of, the wor- state of work today. Um, so a lot of people are opting out and choosing something different. You know, if we look at the employee engagement numbers, I think the disengagement number of employees in the U.S. is close to 70%. So that seems like it would speak to something no longer working as effectively in the traditional employment contract. 
That's true. That's a number that um, came out of the Gallup survey. They measure employee engagement and satisfaction, and traditionally the number has been high for disengagement and low for satisfaction for people who are traditional full-time employees in traditional jobs. Is there a similar engagement study for gig economy workers, or that's just not something that's happened yet? There isn't one uh, in particular. Well, as I just cited, uh, for independent contractors, the surveys and the studies that have been done ask them about satisfaction and engagement with their work, and those numbers have tended to be very high. The most recent study was by the McKinsey's Global Institute, and they did a survey of 8,000 independent workers, both in the U.S. and overseas, and they found um, satisfaction rates over 70%, and the independent contractors were satisfied with every dimension of their job, with their the type of work that they were doing, with their income, with their flexibility and autonomy. So there was, there was a broad sense of satisfaction and engagement from independent workers. So, I, so, so 70% of traditional employees are disengaged, so 30% engagement. 30% of gig economy workers are disengaged, so 70% engagement. I'm assuming that connects directly to productivity and output. Yes, I mean, studies of uh, remote workers and independent workers have consistently shown that they are more productive uh, as well as engaged and satisfied than people who work uh, in a full-time job. So that that from a corporate strategy perspective, seems like there are lots of advantages to using gig employees, and, and this is a significant one. Yeah, from a, from a corporate perspective, it's hard to come up with an argument against using independent contractors uh, because they are more productive, they're engaged, they're satisfied, um, they're more flexible, Companies have a lot more ability to uh, respond to spikes in demand, to bring in contractors, experts, based on a project that they might be doing or a new service or product that they might be launching. They can really respond to their business's needs in a much more nimble and fast way by having this kind of dynamic, flexible labor force. Um, so for companies, there is enormous opportunity for uh, complementing their existing workforce by adding in independent contractors. So here's one of the controversial questions. Is this code for just offshoring, getting cheaper labor, or is it really a much bigger um, issue than, uh, not issue, a much bigger opportunity than that? It's a much bigger phenomenon than that. I mean, certainly companies for more than a decade have been uh, offshoring, outsourcing, uh, bringing workers down to part-time and finding other ways and, and eliminating jobs. Um, and find, so finding ways to reduce their costs. So that's not a new phenomenon. I think what's different about the gig economy is it's so widespread. It's really affecting the workforce um, 
across industries, across sectors, across income levels, across education levels. Um, it's, it's a broad trend. And companies that are looking to, there, there are examples of companies who are switching to independent contractors in order to save costs because they don't have to provide benefits to independent contractors and they're able to reduce their reliance on full-time employees and switch to contractors. There's no question about that. But in many cases, particularly when you're talking about more professional independent contractors or consultants, you're really not paying a cheaper price. You're, you're, it's just paid differently. So, I mean, if you're a, if you're a professional expert or a consultant with years of experience and you're working with a client, you're charging a rate that includes your own overhead, which uh, will include, you know, if you have to provide your own benefits, that's going to be reflected in your rate. So in those cases, companies aren't really saving. They're just getting their, they're just getting a different kind of worker than a full-time employee. Diane, you were talking about gig economy employees being slightly different. What, what distinguishes what characteristics do you find common in gig employees? Who's attracted to this? Yeah, the most common, uh, the, what differentiates them is that they don't have a full-time job. So they're working independently. They work for a variety of different clients. They manage their own business. And they choose uh, when, where, and how much they want to work. So there's a lot more choice and flexibility and autonomy in a gig economy worker compared to a full-time employee. So you said something that sparks my interest. They run, in essence, they're running their their own company. They're doing their own billing. They have to attend to healthcare and those things of running a company. Are there people who are um, more well? suited for that and people who are better at full-time jobs? Or what, what does the research suggest there? I don't think there's been a lot of research on that particular issue. I think um, intuitively, though, you know, for many people who are in a full-time job as a full-time employee, they're constantly juggling, right? They're constantly juggling different projects, different assignments, different events that might be coming up, a variety of deadlines, um, maybe working with different stakeholders. They might have outside clients, internal clients, their own boss. So I think most workers, most professional workers are used to a fairly hectic work life that requires some juggling. I don't think the gig economy is any different from that. Um, if you're working independently, you're juggling different stakeholders, you have different projects going on, a variety of timelines, it's the same thing. I think where the gig economy differs is there's more proactivity required to line up a variety of gigs. Um, even though in the traditional jobs economy, there is really, there's no job security and job tenure has declined precipitously. So for most people, the, the median job tenure is anywhere from three to five years. So if you're a full-time employee, you are still hustling. You're looking for your next opportunity, marketing yourself, selling yourself, thinking about what the market 
uh, is demanding. And you're doing that every three to five years. As a gig economy person, somebody who's working independently, you're doing that even more frequently because you're constantly looking for new projects, new clients, and new gigs. So I think that's probably the biggest difference is um, the business development piece. So, so in either case, I'm dealing with a lot of complexity, and the gig economy gives me a, a lot more flexibility in how I spend my time, and I get to say no if I don't want to work on something. All of those things are absolutely true. The other thing that gig economy offers is the opportunity to, like anybody who runs a small business, the opportunity to hire or outsource tasks that you don't like. Um, so for many gig economy employee, uh, independent contractors, just like for many small business owners, they might work with an accountant or a bookkeeper to help them with invoicing or with keeping their financial statements straight, or they automate that process by using a software package. So I think it, I don't want to create the impression that because you work independently, you have to do everything. Um, the same mm-hmm. options that are available to a small business are available to an independent contractor in terms of outsourcing or uh, hiring somebody to do the tasks that you dislike or might not be particularly good at. Yeah, for me, the benefit was I could... Uh, I, I would refer to myself as someone who has career ADD. I got to do a much broader range of activities when I left traditional consulting than I did when I had to show up every day and someone else chose which clients I worked on. That's absolutely true, and I hear that a lot. When I, did, when I interviewed independent contractors as part of the research for my book, I heard that frequently. Um, independent contractors consistently said that they really enjoyed the variety and the diversification of the work that they got to do. Um, they appreciated being able to select the type of work that they, that they do, but they really appreciated the variety. Cool. Well, we're going to go break right now. We'll be right back with Diane Mulcahy, and we're talking about the gig economy, the benefits for employers and also for employees. We'll be back momentarily. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. 
is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today we're joined by Diane Mulcahy, and we're talking about the gig economy. So, Diane, how do companies get started? I think the best and easiest way is to just start by incorporating some independent contractors into their workforce. So, for most companies, the easiest place to start is looking at their unfilled positions and thinking about whether any of them lend themselves to working with somebody independently and possibly remotely. Sometimes companies have unfilled positions because it's hard to access that particular skill set or expertise or experience in their local geographic market. And by expanding the reach of their search, they're much more likely to find somebody who's a good fit. Cool. So one of the things I hear about people working remotely, and I think this would apply to the gig economy as well, is how do I know they're doing their work, especially for people who are in the mindset of traditional, I know my people are here when I can walk down the hall and see them at their desks, and I realize this is a significant mindset shift that we're not looking at butts and chairs, we're looking at impact. Yeah, I don't think seeing somebody at their desk tells you very much at all about what they're doing. I agree. Um, I agree. <laughs> I think if you talk to a chief information officer at any company, they can tell you what people are really doing when they're sitting at their desk, and it's not always working. Um, when people work remotely, it doesn't matter what they're doing all day, every day. What matters is that they're delivering the results and the deliverables that you have hired them to do. So it's really not your concern how they're getting their work done or where or when. Your concern is, as, as a gig economy employer, your concern is, are they delivering the products and the services that you've hired them for, and are they delivering them at a high level of quality? So the, focus of, the, the focus of employers who work with independent contractors is on their results, not on their process. So that means as a, a boss or a gig economy employer, I really have to be clear about the deliverables I'm expecting and the time frame and the measures 
so that I'm, one, being able to assign tasks, but also so I'm managing my costs and, and the impact employees make. Yes. And in theory, that should not be at all different from how, as a manager, you manage your full-time employees. In other words, you should always be thoughtful and proactive about how you scope work and define projects and allocate timelines and specify deliverables. The reality is that for many managers, working with independent contractors is a fairly enormous mindset and behavioral shift because for many managers, they don't manage their employees very well. They are vague and unspecific when it comes to delineating work. They're not very organized about timelines and coordination. They're not specific about deliverables and measurable outcomes. And so when they switch to working with independent contractors, where you really have to be clear about all of those things, it represents a significant change. In my mind, that says more about the problems of the traditional employment model than it does about the challenges of the gig economy. I think the gig economy and working with independent contractors is raising the bar in terms of how managers deal with both contractors and their employees. I think it forces them to be clearer and more specific and more focused on results. And I think that's good for everybody, for employees and contractors alike. I agree. And I'm going through this right now that I'm bringing on a personal assistant. Um, when I worked in a large firm, there was someone sitting outside of my office that I could just go talk to whenever I needed something. In this case, I have to plan in advance, structure the work. The pay is coming out of my company's income, not some large corporate income. So it is, it is forcing me to think differently. How do you prepare or help um, or what do you recommend for managers to, to get a little more competent at this, at this part of, dele- it's basic delegation in some ways. It is, I mean, really, it's basic management, um, but it's requiring, it forces managers to manage at a higher level. Uh, and, and the best way to do that is to start doing it and practice doing it. So, for any given manager, the way, the best and easiest way to start is by bringing in one independent contractor. You know, it doesn't mean launching your biggest project of the year and hiring a team of independent contractors. That might be uh, jumping into the deep end. I would suggest, <laughs> I would suggest put your toes in the water. Start with one. Start with somebody um, who can fill an open position or bring in some needed expertise or experience and start working with one independent contractor and then maybe add another one and flex your muscles, build the skills, practice this new way of management. And when you start to get better and more comfortable at it, you can start taking that new way of manage it, managing and applying it to more independent contractors as well as to your full-time employees because, it, quite simply, it's a better way to manage and it's better for corporate strategy. I mean, what, what companies care about is results. That's what drives 
corporate performance. So managers who manage to results are, in most cases, going to perform better than those who don't. So as, as I listen to, to our conversation, I've now heard a couple of different benefits. We talked earlier on about the engagement level, hence productivity, and this sounds like it also drives managers in many cases to manage better, assuming that they will take what they learn from managing gig employees and also apply it to their full-time folks. Mm-hmm. So do you have any do's and don'ts for transitioning functions into from traditional to a gig function? For companies? Yes. I think for companies, although there are many benefits, it still represents, for many companies, a significant change, uh, a change in mindset, a change in behavior, and in some cases, a change in culture, uh, moving to a greater focus on results rather than process, for example. So I think the biggest do for companies is to go ahead and try it because this is the way the workforce is moving, and companies want to start getting comfortable with that, experimenting with it, and becoming better at incorporating independent contractors into their workforce. I think the biggest don't is don't try to do it all at once. Don't try to, don't try to jump all into the deep end, as I said earlier, and Maybe don't start with your core functions. Uh, maybe look at your workforce and start with something a little bit more on the periphery. Maybe start with um, bringing somebody into as a contractor for social media or for a particular marketing project or for a particular um, uh, accounting project. You know, don't don't necessarily start with your core function that matters the most to your business. Give yourself time to build up your own skill and comfort level and experience working with independent contractors and start by doing that on things that aren't the most important to your business. So this sounds like, um, I, I want to say in some ways common sense. I, if I start anything new, I'm going to pick something I can experiment with that won't blow up my organization. I'm going to identify maybe my people who are most likely or most interested in implementing it. Um, I, I'm going to start looking at how I assign the work, track the work, and then as we prove the concepts, I would expand it to my core business processes. So, Diane, is that what you were thinking that model is what you have seen work? Yes, I think I think especially for larger companies that have been around for a long time and relied on the traditional employment model, starting by bringing in independent contractors on a limited basis for non-core functions is a way for everybody to start adapting to this new way of working. For younger startup companies, it's often embedded in their DNA right from the beginning. So when they start building themselves as a company, they're already in the habit of bringing in uh, experience and expertise on an as-needed basis, working with independent contractors, working with people who are doing other things. So they can 
incorporate that at a much deeper level much earlier. But certainly for established companies, you know, tippy-toe. It's the way to get going. Cool. Thank you. So, so now let's shift to the ben- another benefit for companies, and you've talked about attracting and retaining talent. Can you talk a little bit more about how the gig economy supports companies in that way? Yes. I, I think a persistent problem that most companies have is figuring out how to compete and win for the best talent. Everybody wants the best uh, workers working for their company. And being open to working with independent contractors, I think, allows companies to win more often at that game. So the way I like to uh, set it up is to imagine an example where you have, you know, company A and company B, and they're both trying to attract a particular, let's call it an accountant, a, a particular position. And company A is offering somebody, you know, a full-time job as a full-time employee, come to the office every day, traditional model. Company B is saying, we have the same position, and you can come to the office when you want, but we're also open to working with you as an independent contractor. You can choose where you work. You can choose when you work. You can do other work if you want to. For many for many what used to be employees, company B is a lot more attractive. It offers them a lot more flexibility, autonomy. It offers them a lot more control over their time, over their life, and over the type of work that they do. So if you're looking for in-demand talent, then structuring yourself in a way that is appealing to a broader range of talent um, by being open to working with an independent contractor or a remote worker can allow you to uh, recruit the best talent. And I think that's very appealing for companies, um, especially in this economy where it can be hard to find the best people. Well, and as we're looking at the rate of retirement of baby boomers, I think it's 10000 a day, and the generation following them is just a smaller generation, this war for talent issue is heating up again. So it it does sound like this is an antidote to dealing or to the challenge of talent, that it it may not be optional if I can't fill roles, but I may have to go to gig economy workers rather than a, a traditional employee, even if I would prefer to have people on my That's absolutely, that's absolutely true. And, it, all, it allows you to expand the geographic area in which you're recruiting for talent. It allows you to expand beyond the traditional employee base. I mean, if you're open to working with independent contractors, you can snag one of those retiring baby boomers who has years of experience and expertise but no longer wants to work as a full-time employee. So companies that are open to different types of work arrangements are going to be able, they have a much broader talent pool from which they can recruit. Thank you. I love this idea. So again, back to the benefits, more engaged, I can find it, I am more likely to be able to fill a role. I may be able to find someone with more experience if if I am willing to look at alternate arrangements 
So all the way around for a company, there are a lot of benefits. We will be right back with Maureen Metcalf and Diane Mulcahy talking about the gig economy, and we'll shift to why employees would find this to be a positive alternative to full-time traditional work. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. What can we do to prepare for a career-altering interview or presentation, land an important deal, or simply play a great game of golf? These activities depend on preparation and execution, which grouped together we call performance. Uncover the mysteries of our mind and unlock the secrets of great performance by illuminating the mental side of life. When we better understand why we do the things we do and what keeps us from accomplishing our goals, we elevate our success. Listen for The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christie, Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, you are listening to Diane Mulcahy talking about the gig economy So, Diane, we said that you teach MBA students, and evidently you have told them to stop looking for jobs. Can you say more about that? Yes. I I created an MBA class on the gig economy five years ago, and I've been teaching it ever since at Babson College here in Boston, where I'm based. And so I've been hearing uh, my students' perspectives and responses to this idea of the gig economy. And for these students, generally, they're, well, I get them in their second year when they're about to graduate. So they are going out and entering this new way of working. So this course is very relevant and very personal to them. And I do tell them to think about not looking for a job. And instead, when they graduate, 
putting together a portfolio of gigs. And the reason I tell them that is because jobs are no longer secure. And in many ways, having a portfolio of gigs is less risky than having a full-time job. At least with a portfolio of gigs, if something falls off, if you lose a project, if a project ends, if a client decides they don't want to work with you anymore, you still have other projects and clients to maintain your income level. When you work in a full-time job, you're putting all your eggs into one basket. You're relying on that one employer for your entire income, for your sense of stability, for your financial security, and that's highly risky because, as we all know, employers no longer make any promises, offer any guarantees, or provide any loyalty. So at any time, the job that you're relying on can be eliminated or automated or outsourced or offshored or contracted out. Um, so to reduce that risk, I encourage my students to think about putting together a portfolio of gigs. So how would they get started doing that? Say I'm an MBA I, student and I've never done it. Yeah, I recommend that they get started doing it while they're in school. So, uh, and for many students today who, who get MBAs, a, a lot of my students are working full-time and they're working on their MBA part-time. So they already have a full-time job. And what I suggest uh, to them, whether they have a full-time job or not, is to start with a side gig. So if they're in school full-time getting their MBA, start doing something on the side. If they're in a full-time job, start doing something on the side. And what that does is it offers them a very low-risk, low-cost way to experiment with generating income by doing something different. It allows them to determine whether what they're offering to the market is in demand. It allows them to assess what people are willing to pay. And it's a way to get started without feeling like, you know, from the get-go, they have to put together 10 projects. <laughs> Are there websites or portals that if I have no idea how to start or where to start, are there easier ways to do this? If I were looking for a job, I'd go to Indeed or something. How is a gig person that I want to experiment with it? Where do I start? There are so many platforms, honestly, that, that focus on um, general work. So if you think about someplace like Upwork, where you can get a huge variety of gigs just from being on Upwork, you can look at an enormous range of potential gigs. Similarly, there are platforms that are much more specific and niche. If you think about a platform like Catalent, which focuses on MBA graduates, or something like BTG, which targets more experienced workers, or Fair Hire, which focuses on workers who have more of a um, financial services or entrepreneurial background. So there's Axiom for lawyers, right? There's so many platforms that focus on particular industries or professions or levels of experience. So I think for somebody who's interested in starting uh, by getting a side gig, sure, start with a platform and go out there and take a look at the range of opportunities that you can find by, by putting yourself out there on a platform. 
Cool. Thank you. That, for a listener who's interested in experimenting, that certainly gives us a great, um, like a concrete task to go do. Uh, you've also mentioned that employees are the workers of last resort. Um, what is what is that, and why is that happening? Yeah. So for many for many companies, they will do almost anything to avoid hiring a full time employee, and that's simply because number one, the cost of hiring and firing employees in response to changes in the business climate or changes in the company's uh, mission or strategy are very high. It's very expensive to recruit talent, and it's very expensive to let them go. So a full-time labor force is not very flexible. And increasingly, in our very dynamic economy with a lot of competition, companies really need flexibility. So they don't want to hire full-time employees. They want to hire a more flexible workforce that allows them to bring on and let go the types of experience and expertise they need without the high cost. The second reason is full-time employees are the most expensive form of labor. Um, The way our labor market is structured, benefits are tied to full-time employees only, not to independent contractors. Now, that's a problem. That's a policy problem of our labor market, but companies are recognizing that it's much cheaper for them in many cases to work with independent contractors. Not always, as I mentioned earlier, if you're, if you're working with in-demand uh, talent and they're independent contractors, they will charge rates that incorporate all of their overhead and take into account all of their experience. So you're likely paying the same amount, but for many positions, you can still pay less for an independent contractor than for a full-time employee. So for those reasons, uh, non-full-time employees can be more attractive to companies. So I, so say I'm an MBA student again or I'm shortly out of school. I like the idea of a gig economy. I've experimented. It seems to fit me. And I have a portfolio. What do I do next? And one of, one of the things that would be interesting to cover is you've talked about insurance and benefits. How do I navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the, the short answer is there's, the short answer is there's no short answer. Um, there is okay. no one. There is no one place where I can send your listeners and say, when you start becoming an independent contractor, here's the place to go to organize your uh, suite of benefits. Right now, independent contractors have to go to different places. Um, the first place to go is to the Affordable Care Act and to there is where you can get your health insurance taken care of. The second place to go is to your local financial institution or the one that you have a relationship with and set up an individual 401k or an IRA. That's the place to go to get your retirement benefits. And then thirdly, you'll want to go to an insurance broker or the freelancers union and look at what other benefits do you want to provide for yourself? What other, do you want life insurance or disability insurance or liability insurance? 
and put together the insurances and other benefits that suit your particular circumstances. So I think it is important for people to be thinking about, and, and probably most of our listeners are, but all of those things that companies provide as overhead that make us expensive as employees, we now have to provide for ourselves. Yes. You, for, for independent contractors, they have to decide what are the benefits that are important to me and provide them. Now, the reality is there are many independent contractors that are partners or spouses of somebody who works in a full-time job as a full-time employee, so they continue to access benefits through the employer model. But for independent contractors who are providing their own benefits, yes, it's important to kind of do, um, do an evaluation and think about the benefits that are important to you and then go provide those to your, for yourself. So, because you're the expert in this, there are lots of things I don't even know to ask. If you were advising a person who wants to move into out of traditional employment or say I've not even had a traditional job, what else have I missed that I should be thinking about? I think the most common scenario and and probably what what fits uh, the situation of most of your listeners is people who are in traditional full-time jobs or have been and are traditional full-time employees, but they're intrigued or interested in joining the gig economy. They can see the benefits, but they're not quite sure how to make the transition. So let me address that situation. For those people, I have two pieces of advice. The first is to develop an exit strategy for leaving your job. And in my book, my book has a lot of exercises in it that are based on the assignments and the exercises that I've done in my class over the past five years and what's worked for my students. But one of the exercises that I have in the book that I recommend is to think about a situation where you know that you're going to be laid off from your job in six months. And imagine that situation. So the question is, what are the things that you would do if you knew that that were going to happen? What are the professional steps that you would take, the personal ones, the financial ones? What, benef- what um, expenses would you cut down on? What savings would you increase? What colleagues would you contract, contact? What conferences would you start attending? Uh, would you update your LinkedIn profile, put together your resume, all of those things that you would do if you knew for a fact you were going to get laid off. My advice is to write those down as a plan and start executing on that plan. And the reason is to just remove the fear and the anxiety around leaving a job. Um, and I think for people to have a plan, it reduces that fear and that anxiety and allows them to feel more in control of their destiny. The second piece of advice is to always have a side gig, Um, whether that is something that generates revenue or even if it doesn't, whether it's taking on a volunteer position, a board position, what a side gig does is it opens up other opportunities. It allows you to improve your skills. It allows you to expand your network and meet new people. And every side gig opens up future opportunities. So I think as a matter of course, it makes sense for people to always make sure 
that they're doing something on the side, and that always opens up new opportunities for the future. At least my experience when I started out was having something to do every day. So the, the side gig you mentioned at least gives me a sense of accomplishment on the days that I'm not making progress or it doesn't feel like I'm making progress on um, business development. Absolutely. So having multiple things that you're doing allows you to uh, diversify your income stream. It allows you to diversify your network, diversify your skill base. It's, it's positive all around. So can you talk to, I'm just thinking back to when I started my company, it's an emotional roller coaster as well as having a list of things I needed to do that felt daunting from having a name and a website and a company and the banking relationship so I can invoice and having an, um, uh, tax numbers and all of that stuff. Then there's the, is it growing fast enough? Am I okay? And almost everyone I've talked to in this space of starting a company or being an independent contractor goes through a series of emotional steps. How Do you have any recommendations for dealing with that side of it? Absolutely. And I think I would refer back to the, to the two pieces of advice I give somebody for transitioning into the gig economy because both of those actually do a really good job of reducing some of the fear and the anxiety and the lack of control that people can feel from leaving a full-time job that they've always, and a way of working that they've always known and moving into this unknown territory of the gig economy. So when you have an exit strategy, you tend to feel more in control. And by having an exit strategy that is six months or a year in advance, it really does allow you to prepare in a way that makes the answer to the question, am I going to be okay? It makes it, that answer will be yes, because you've prepared and you've taken the steps and you've done the planning to make sure that you're okay. Similarly, my advice about starting a side gig can really remove a lot of the anxiety of starting a new company because if you've been doing something on the side all along, you've already taken care of a lot of that those logistics and the setup, and you already understand what the demand is for your product or service. You have a good sense of what people are willing to pay. You have an invoicing system in place. So all of that can reduce the anxiety and a lot of the work that comes with starting up a company. And you can really just focus on growing. Thank you. So, Diane, can you give us again the name of your book and your website? Sure. My book is called The Gig Economy, and my website is dianemulcahy.com. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organization. Today we've been talking about the gig economy. What is it? What can companies do and what can employees do or individuals do to engage in it? Please give us your feedback. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations on Facebook or info at metcalf-associates.com. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us this week. 
Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. We'll be right back.